Amen. And uh, um, all children, kindergarten through third grade, are welcome to uh, children in worship right through that door. And may indeed um, the, uh, the the children lead us that we know that uh, no matter what, our life is in um, His hands. Well, and today, as we walk through, um, as we come to almost the close, really, of our walk through Exodus, what we'll see is that uh, that God, His 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 character, His deepest desire, if we would use that language of God, is that that God wants to walk with us. He created us for that purpose. We were created to walk with God, to live with God, to follow and obey God in all of life and to enjoy God in all of life. And in, and, and in some way, that's the point of the whole of the scriptures. And we'll certainly see that here in this part as we, as we look at the, the, the Really, this almost the second half of the whole book of of Exodus. Um, it, you know, sometimes you've heard me say before. Sometimes we don't see the forest for the trees. You know, we can focus on just a particular passage or a little word here and there, and we and we lose the whole forest. You know, we lose the the, the grand narrative here and all that it's communicating about the, the character of God and. and the character of humans and God's work to bring us together and all that that entails so that we can fulfill what God created us for, to, to enjoy God, to live with God, to walk with Him in all of life. And what I think as well is our deepest longing is, is to walk with Him as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll see that um, here. Let's... Uh, if uh, if you have a Bible or you get out a pew Bible, I invite you to get it out th- today because it'll really help to um, just get a picture of um, what uh, what what Moses is writing here, what God's communicating here in these, these last um, part of the book of Exodus. So, um, and we'll we'll start. Um, uh, in, in chapter 24, don't worry, Barry, I didn't give you that. You don't need to put that on the, on the screen. But it's page 62 in your, your pew Bible, or you can turn there whatever form um, that you have. Actually, uh, going old school and having a real book in your hands will help um, today um, versus other, other means. Let's pray. Uh, gracious God, we do give you praise. Um, uh, that that you, your faithfulness is new every morning. Your love for us is so grand. Your your you are gracious towards us. Um, that your love is never ending, um, and that you are um, regularly you are at work every day, drawing us to yourself to fulfill the very purpose for which you've created. Um, help us in this time to your Spirit just to awaken that deepest longing within us. Help us uh, to, to see and, and notice and live into that fullness. Um, to not let other things distract us. Humble us so that we come before you to hear and receive and to follow and live with you. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
All right, so if you turn um, to page 62 and you, you, you see the, the end of chapter 24, or verse, uh, chapter 24, the very last verse in, in 18, verse 18, it says that Moses is now in 24. He's on the mountain. He's on Mount Sinai. That's um, a couple Sundays ago. We looked at the Ten Commandments. That's Exodus 20. Um, and we're told here that Moses enters the cloud, went up on the mountain, and he was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. And on the part of what he receives up there in those 40 days and 40 nights is he receives um, the instructions for how to build the tabernacle, how to build the tent of meeting. And this is the place where God's going to dwell. See, God longs to dwell among his people. And so he's going to, it gives all kinds of instructions as to how to build this place. And it's, um, if you notice, uh, chapter 25, verse 1, um, the Lord said to Moses, and then he gives the instructions on the offerings, on the Ark of the Covenant, the furniture that's in there, the, the, the table for the, that's going to be in there, the, the lampstand, and then the, the framework of the tabernacle in chapter chapter 26, then you keep moving to the end of 26, see the curtain, he's got directions for that, the altar for the burnt offering, the court, the surroundings and the hangings, even the oil for the lamp and the vestments for the priesthood, even tells the priests what underwear they're going to wear. And then the ephod, part of their vestments and the breastplate, all with, with symbols and different ways. And the, 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 then the, how the, you ordain the priest in verse 29. And then how to take the daily offerings. Then you beginning in uh, the beginning of chapter 30, the altar of the incense. So you see all these details. I mean, chapter after chapter of these details. Then, then verse 11 of chapter 30, he says again, the Lord spoke to Moses. So he does something new there as he goes into the half shekel for the sanctuary. Then you you turn the page again, um, verse 17, the Lord spoke to Moses. That's now the third time that he said that. Then the anointing oil and incense, verse 22, the Lord spoke to Moses. That's now the fourth time, keep count. Then uh, he said, verse 34, Is that verse 34? Yes, 34. The Lord spoke to Moses. Then the beginning of 31, the Lord spoke to Moses. And notice here, these two names, uh, Bezalel and Aholiab. Those are two names of two crafts. They're sort of the... The, the contractors for this. Um, So remember those names. But now that's the sixth time that he said the Lord spoke to Moses. All right, and then he says it one more time in verse 12 of verse thir- of chapter 31, which is then the, go ahead, seventh, that's not a trick question, right? The seventh time, he says, the Lord says to Moses, and what does it say, if you've got your Bibles open, what does he cover on the seventh day? The Sabbath law, thank you. And wake everybody up around you. He, the Sabbath law. Huh, isn't that interesting? Think that's by accident? That he said the Lord said to Moses seven times and on the seventh day he gives the Sabbath law? What does that remind you of? Seven days and on the seventh day is the Sabbath. Creation. He's hearkening back to creation. 
This is the very purpose for which we were created. For God to walk with us and us to walk with God. That's Adam and Eve with God were in the garden. And it was very good. This is the very nature, the very purpose of God that he is creating again for his people and for all of his creation. And then what happens the next chapter? If you just look over to chapter 32, this was our sermon last Sunday, the golden calf. Here Moses is up there 40 days and 40 nights and they people get impatient and they then say we need a God. Moses is gone. Who knows? You know, no cell phones, nothing like that to communicate. So there, let's take matters in our own hand. Let's make our own God. That's uh, 32. So but why looking looking back before that? Why all all these verses? Why include this in the Bible? All of these details from verse 25 all the way through chapter 25 all the way through chapter 31. Why include all the requirements, everything that's necessary for, for God to dwell among the people? And I propose to you it's because the separation between God and humans is so great that there is great protection and and preparation necessary to span the chasm of our difference in purity before God. Humans in our rebelliousness, in our selfishness, in our sin, are so far removed from the purity of God that it takes this kind of detail This kind of arrangement to allow for the holy, pure, consuming fire of God to dwell in the midst of a sinful people like you and me. There is a protective and preparatory distance that is necessary because of our difference in purity. In a way, again, this is, uh, you know, this is just a, a, a poor illustration at best. It's like humans living with fish. Right? Unless you're Aquaman, um, you, it, it can happen, but it takes a whole lot of work for humans to live among fish or for fish to live among humans. It takes a whole lot for that to happen because there's such difference between them. Well, there's such a grand difference between the purity of God and purity of humans. Then there has to be a lot of preparation and a lot of protection. And we see that here in the golden calf in uh, verse uh, in chapter 32. And won't go through that because we went through that um, last Sunday. If you want to get more on that, you can uh, listen to last Sunday's um, sermon. And, and, and Daryl did a great job of highlighting just about our idolatry and just how Far we are from God's purity. But now I want to look, highlighting particularly God's response to this sin of God's people. Verse 32, or chapter 32, verse 
9 and 10. Right? This is right after God tells Moses, this is what's happened. This is what your people have done. They've now formed an idol. They've made their own God. So the Lord said to Moses, I've seen this people, how stiff-necked they are. Now let me alone so that my wrath may burn hot against them and I may consume them. And of you, I will make a great nation. Uh, you you got to really be impressed with Moses here. I know I am. If I'm in Moses' shoes here, I mean, do you hear what God said? All right, look at what the people have done and how they have spit in my face. So I'm going to destroy them. And Moses, I'll make a great nation of you. Got to wonder if you're, huh, okay. Sort of start out me and you, we're in this together, okay. But Moses doesn't, do. he intercedes on behalf of his people. But what I want you to see is God's wrath, God's judgment, the distance between humans and God. We don't make a big deal about this, you know. We sort of make fun of hellfire and brimstone folks. And I'm not a turn and burn kind of guy, but I'm a biblical guy. And as much as I don't like it, this is what the Bible says is the very character of God. And I think in our age, we miss sometimes this holiness and purity of God and just how far this distance is between God and humans. So, so Moses intercedes on God's, uh, for, on behalf of, of the people. Um, and, uh, they, and, and, then what happens after this, after this intercession, you, you, you capture um, th- this distance. Well, and again, to illustrate this immense distance between God and God's people here and how explosive is and, and purging of sin is the very presence of God. 3,000 people then are killed as a result of this and God sends then a plague upon the people in judgment. This is the the nature of God's righteousness that that brings judgment on evil and demonstrates why there is such a distance. Then chapter 33, um, 1 through 6. I invite you to turn there and that I do believe we have on the screen. The Lord said to Moses, Go, leave this place, you and the people whom you've brought up out of the land of Egypt, and go to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying to your descendants, I will give it. So Moses has interceded for the people, and God has relented. He has said, okay, I will not destroy them all. So, And then he comes to this point. So here's now I want you to go. Um, take the people with you. I will send an angel before you. I will drive out the Canaanites, the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey, but I will not go up among you, or I would consume you on the way, for you are a stiff-necked people. You see how that distance is a protective distance because of the consuming fire of God's purity. When the people heard these harsh words, they mourned. And no one put on ornaments. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, You are a stiff-necked people. If for a single moment I should go up among you, I would consume you. So now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. Therefore the Israelites stripped themselves of their ornaments from Mount Horeb onward. 
I mean, this is a huge statement here. Y'all go, I'm staying here. That's what God said. I'm not going with you. I mean, is God going to abandon Israel at this space? It seems like it, that it is a very real possibility. The disobedience and idolatry is such a significant act of mutiny that God is pictured here as contemplating forsaking Israel. And you see then the response of the people in humility and confession. We'll come back to that too. But again, I want to sit and recognize and sit in, as uncomfortable as it is, the chasm between God and humans, between God and God's people. It is so great. It is so huge here that it, it, it's presented here as God saying, I can't go with you. If I'm with you, I will, you will be consumed. And if there's anything that is pure, no impurity can ever even enter into its presence. That impurity must be abolished or, or what is pure is no longer pure. And so this, this is really, you know, Strike up the music with real tension because the question with the reader is, whoa, what is happening here? And, and, and see here, the distance is so great. And this is fascinating story here um, that, that even Moses cannot be in the presence of God unadulterated. Moses must be protected. There, there must be a preparation and a protection to keep that distance between even Moses and the purity of God. Because Moses, um, uh, he, uh, um, well, verse uh, 18 here of this same chapter. Moses is, is with God and he's, he, he goes on to say, God, we're not going. We can't go without you. Unless you go with us, we can not go. And he intercedes on, on, on the people's behalf and, and God says, I will go with you. And then Moses then responds. Verse 18, he says, show me your glory, I pray. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you the name, the Lord, or as we've learned, Yahweh. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But, he said, you cannot see my face for no one shall see me and live. And the Lord continued. See, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft of the rock. I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall be see my back. But my face shall not be seen. I mean, again, you, you see this distance, this purity between God and even Moses, the very leader, the very one that God had said, listen, I'm going to destroy all the rest, but you come with me and we'll make a new nation. Even there, Moses cannot be before the face of God. And we recognize in this passage, there's a lot of what we call anthropomorphisms, um, which is uh, sort of like human-like um, features of God, you know, anthropology, anthropos, uh, anthropomorph. There's, there's sayings that we speak about God that really God doesn't have a face or a hand. Um, he's spirit. But we use those just to help us understand somewhat of what is happening. 
And so God tells him, listen, you get in this cleft of the rock right here, and I'm going to walk by, but I'm going to protect you. And so I'm going to keep my hand over you, and then as I leave, I'll remove my hand. And you can sort of see the afterglow of my presence, the sparks that flow after. And, and that's really all you can handle. Because if there were more, you would be destroyed. So again, this, this protection, um, uh, this provision um, for, for, for Moses even, to even be in the very presence of God. All right, then 34, verse uh, 34, 6 through 9. Then when it happens, the Lord passed before him, chapter 34, verses 6 through 9. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, yet by no means clearing the guilty, but visiting the iniquity of the parents upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. And Moses quickly bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. He said, If now I have found favor in your sight, O Lord, I pray, let the Lord go with us. Although this is a stiff-necked people, pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for your inheritance. Here is the very nature of God represented in words before Moses as he passes by. One who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness keeping his steadfast love for the thousandth generations, but by no means giving a blind eye to our sin. By no means just saying, ah, never mind, forget that. No, where there is sin, there is indeed discipline and punishment. And in order to bring people back to him, but it's not just a a blind eye. It is an affront to a holy and pure God. This is why preparation and protection is necessary for there to be God dwelling among a people who are like me and like you, who are arrogant, who we know ultimately what is best for us, who we are stubborn. We know ultimately what is best for us. And to lead us to a place just like the people of Israel and just like Moses came to. I told you we'd come back to that humility and confession. That we truly come before God in a place of humility. Just like the people, we refuse to wear ornaments, we come before you just ourselves admitting our sin. And Moses doing the same thing. Pardon our iniquity. Take us for yourself. So th- this is the, the nature of God is presented here. And then our response is presented here. And friends, here is the really good news. That God makes a way. A- after this, these passages, which are 
are hard and they're real. They can be even sort of scary. They can be really uncomfortable. They can um, elicit within us guilt. And, and if that guilt is good guilt, if that guilt is a guilt that is honest and right and true, then maybe that guilt will lead to confession. And we will come before an almighty God and He will make a way. Because after this, these events, this interaction with Moses and God's people, at this, 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 really the pinnacle of the passage, the, the decision point of the whole book, he then comes back. Remember the names I told you to keep in the back of your mind? Bezalel and Aholiab? Well, they come back up in verse, thir- in chapter 35. And what happens in chapter 35 through the rest of the book until the very end is the instructions that he gave before the golden calf. Now he has empowered the people in their humility and generosity to now construct this tent of meeting in tabernacle. They're now constructing the very place where God is going to dwell in their midst. Chapter 36, Bezalel and Oholiab, verse 1. And every skillful one to whom the Lord has given skill and understanding to know how to do any work in the construction of the sanctuary shall work in accordance with all the Lord has commanded. Moses then called Bezalel and Oholiab and every skillful one to whom the Lord has given skill, everyone whose heart was stirred to come to do the work. And they received from Moses all the free will offering that the Israelites had brought for doing the work on the sanctuary. They still kept bringing him free will offerings every morning so that all the artisans who were doing every sort of task on the sanctuary came each from the task being performed and said to Moses, the people are bringing much more than enough for doing the work that the Lord has commanded us to do. So Moses gave command and the word was proclaimed throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else and is an offering for the sanctuary. So the people were restrained from bringing for what they had already brought was more than enough to do all the work. You see how conversion has happened? That, that place of humility, that place of guilt, of confession, of recognizing their own sin before a, a pure God and the huge distance that is there, they now come before God in humility and that translates to exceeding generosity. I mean, they gotta stop taking an offering. They gotta tell people, no, you're putting too much in the plate. Stop doing that. We have enough. To do what God has called us to do. This is good news. God then empowers His people. He calls the B and O to come forward. And they then gather other people that are called and gifted to build this place of meeting. This tabernacle where God will dwell in their midst. And the people respond in, in generosity. And God dwells in their midst. He makes a way for us to be able to live with Him. He refuses to abandon us. No matter if we have spit in His face, He refuses to abandon us. Now, if we don't recognize the fullness of that distance and the explosive purity of God, the consuming purity of God, if anyone is in His presence, that that we would be consumed, totally oblivious. If we don't recognize that distance and feel that discomfort and struggle with that, that guilt, if we don't, then we don't realize just how amazing and scandalous is His grace that spans that chasm. 
that protects and provides. And that's what the tabernacle provided so that at the very end of the book, the very end of the story of Exodus, chapter 40, verse 34, the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled upon it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Whenever the cloud was taken up from the tabernacle, the Israelites would set out on each stage of their journey. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out until the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night before the eyes of all the house of Israel at each stage of their journey. The very heart of God, the very purpose of creation is for God to dwell in our midst and to lead us in every stage of the journey. And he will do what is necessary to make that happen. That is what he has done. It's what he did in the tabernacle. And that's what we know he did on the cross. That's why the tabernacle is not, no longer necessary in some structure or building. And that's why the Apostle Paul can say that you and I are the tabernacle of God now. We are the temple of God. We are the place that if we are in Christ Jesus, we've been made new and the Holy Spirit resides in us. And so he dwells in you and me. He has done everything necessary to make it possible to live with God, to follow God, to obey him. He has bridged that huge chasm so that we can walk with him. That is the very character of God. He does what is necessary to make it happen. So first... If you are sitting here and you feel like, you know, I've spit in the face of God. It may be for active disobedience or maybe just passive indifference. Maybe from sins of commission, things that you've done. Or it may be from the fact that you've just sort of gone your own way. You just passively ignored the way. Okay, either way, it's building a golden calf. Either way, it's spitting in the face of God who says, I want, I've created you for me to walk with you, to tabernacle with you, to, to live with you. He has done what is necessary for you and for me to live in us unadulterated in the very power of His Holy Spirit. And He has also then therefore called us Bezalel and Oholiab. Now, you, you, we are the craftsmen who in our own lives are creating a tabernacle, a temple, a place where God dwells. And he is at work forming in us more and more the character of Jesus in you and me, in our own unique personalities, and he's sending us out. So now it's no longer that the, the, the tabernacle is located at the center of Israel. Now, with the church, he has said, you are the tabernacle, and now you go out among the people. At your workplace, in your cubicle, at your desk, in your school, on the playground, on the field, on the stage, behind the wheel. Yeah, everywhere. Everywhere you are now the ones building a tabernacle 
Building a place where the Spirit dwells. So that you might be a witness to those that are around you. Brothers and sisters, hear the good news. The distance, the chasm between we humans and a pure God is so great that is we cannot approach God without being consumed in His purity. But God has made a way of protection and provision so that He may bridge, may span that canyon and He might dwell in us without fear, but with a holy awe that we get to walk with God. Amen.